Well, today we're handling things a little bit different than most Sundays, obviously. First, we, uh, we start a little early, half hour early, in fact, so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing who will be joining us in six minutes. <laughs> the second way that we're handling things a little bit differently today uh, is that our service is going to be a little bit shorter concluding right after this message. And the reason why is because today we're going to celebrate together our second annual ministry fair as a church. And we want to make sure that everybody has enough time to enjoy it. But before we begin with that ministry fair, I want to make sure that we understand why we're doing this ministry event, right? There's no reason to do anything in life mindlessly. And especially when we gather together as a local church to do it, we ought to understand why we're doing it and what we're hoping to accomplish. And that's what I'm uh, wanting to present to you this morning. This morning we're going to remind ourselves of our biblical mission as a church. Why are we here? Then we're going to remind ourselves of our biblical method to accomplishing that mission. And then finally we're going to look at some of the practical means by which we're pursuing that biblical mission and Method, And so I'm really excited for the opportunity to be able to talk about this with you this morning. And so in preparation for that and for what we're about to study, let's ask the Lord to bless our time together in His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity we have together, together this morning. We thank You for what this church represents. We thank You for how it is a picture of Your grace and Your power at work. And Father, we seek as a people to manifest that resurrection life and power of Jesus in our midst. And we thank You that Your Word has given us ways to understand how to do that and how to pursue that. Father, we want to exalt Jesus Christ above all. So we pray that Your Spirit would work within us this morning through the preaching of Your Word, to shape and fashion us so that we might walk in a manner worthy of our calling, fully pleasing to You. Give us grace towards that end, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm excited for the chance to speak to you all today because today's special service presents another opportunity in which I get to present to you our mission as a church. We get to raise the flag, the the flag of our grand mission together as a local church up once again today so that we remember why we're here and what we're doing. And our mission as a local church, as an assembly of called ones, is this. It is to glorify God through making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. That is why we as a church exist. God has saved us and He has called us together to this place in Christ Jesus. He has called us together here to Grace Chapel for one great preeminent purpose. Namely, first, to glorify God. That is to reflect and to rehearse the greatness of our God and His character. This is the purpose of our church. It is to reflect and to rehearse the greatness of God's character. And this just makes sense because according to Scripture, when you study it, to glorify God is the purpose of absolutely everything in existence. It is the ultimate purpose for creation itself. As Psalms 19 verse 1 teaches, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. It is the ultimate purpose of our lives. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all for what? 
for the glory of God. We were made in the image of God. You see this in Genesis chapter 1. We were created to reflect and to rehearse God's character and virtue. To glorify God is the ultimate purpose of creation, of our lives, and it is the ultimate purpose of our salvation and of all things. In Romans 11.36, when Paul concludes his presentation of gospel truths, he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. To glorify God. To reflect and to rehearse the character, the greatness of God's character is the ultimate purpose of all things. Well, in light of that, the church and the body of Christ is surely no exception. As Ephesians 3.21 states, to Him, that is to God, be glory, where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So that is our purpose as a church. We do not gather together to exalt, boast in, or magnify ourselves, our own character, our own worth, our own reputation. We have none apart from Christ. We belong to shame, open shame, as Scripture says. Yet in Christ, we have received these gifts. God has called us together to exalt, boast in, and magnify Him as He being the supreme center of all wonder and worth. We're nothing. It's God that is everything. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. So to Him be glory forever. Amen. That is our purpose, to glorify God as a church. And as a church, as an assembly of called ones for a purpose, we fulfill our purpose to glorify God as a church through two primary ways. Through making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. Through making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. You might do a lot of things in a building, but if you're not doing those two activities as a body, you're not a church. You glorify God. A church glorifies God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. So as a church, we glorify God first through making disciples of Jesus Christ. This comes from the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 19, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, He says this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So as the church scattered, as we go throughout the week, Our mission is to proclaim the word of Christ wherever we go to whoever we we see and to be used by God to draw sinners to Jesus. As a faith family, we are called to go to every area of our globe and our community and our families and preach the gospel to every person. You have all authority to do that. All authority. So as a church, we glorify God first through making disciples of Jesus Christ. And second, through maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. We're to mature the disciples that we make. It's no good to push someone to make a decision and then say, see you later. Good luck. No. Jesus, immediately after saying in Matthew 28, 19, that we ought to be making disciples of all nations, then says that we are to baptize them and to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. In other words, our mission as a church is to mature the disciples that we make. Paul reiterates this in Colossians 1.28 when he writes, Him, that is Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. In other words, we're to take all of Scripture, to apply all of Christ to all of life. Why? 
that we might present everyone mature in Christ. As he says later in Colossians 4.12, that they might stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So that's our mission. Through the ebb and flow of life, as we gather, we strive to build each other up in Christ, and as we go, we strive to bring others to Him. Like a breathing organism, a living church is always continually moving on mission to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ. And Grace Chapel is to be no different. As a local church, we are an assembly of called ones that exist for this one purpose, to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's our mission. But how do we accomplish that mission as a church? Well, that brings us next to our method. And our method to accomplishing our mission is actually written on the very walls of this building, though you may have never thought about it before. If you were to go outside and stand into our front church parking lot and look up, you would see written on the wall two words, Grace Chapel. And I love everything about those two words because those words define everything about this building and everything we ought to be doing when we come to it. So think about it for a moment with me this morning. That word chapel means a place or a location to worship. In other words, this chapel is not the church. This chapel is the place where we as a church family gather to accomplish our mission, specifically of maturing disciples for the glory of God. See, making disciples, that's done outside these walls individually most often as we're going throughout the week. But maturing disciples, that is why this chapel was built. It is a tool to aid us as a faith family in accomplishing our God-given mission, specifically to develop us into becoming better disciple-makers and maturers for the glory of God. And so how is this brought about? It's defined by that very first word, that defining word, grace. Grace is the operative word here. It is the word that is to define the atmosphere and activities of this place when we gather together. Grace, that is God's undeserved pardon and empowerment given to us in Christ Jesus, is to be at the heart of everything we do. Why? It's because the only way that we as a church can ever work towards that great mission of presenting everyone mature in Christ is by God's strengthening and empowering grace. And primarily by three revealed avenues of God's grace, which I've mentioned many, many times. The Word of Grace, the Throne of Grace, and the Fellowship of Grace. These are to be the foundations of Grace Chapel. If people want to know, why is it called Grace Chapel? Your answer ought to be, it's because we have devoted ourselves together to three things. The Word of Grace, the Throne of Grace, and the Fellowship of Grace. It is upon these foundations upon which every ministry and activity is to be built. These three avenues of grace are to be part of our very DNA. The first avenue is the word of grace, that is, the scriptures. Acts 20.32 says it is by the word of grace that God builds us up into spiritual maturity. That's why we focus as a church so much on teaching and receiving the word of God. It's because we want to be spiritually mature in Christ equipped for every good work. The second avenue towards spiritual maturity is the throne of grace, that is prayer. 
Jude 20 tells us that it is by praying that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. And Hebrews 4.16 says that we approach a throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in time of need. It is in prayer that we find the grace and strength that we so desperately need in our daily lives. And that's why we focus as a church so much on praying. Praying before and after every activity. Praying at least four times during our morning worship services. Praying during our evening growth groups. Praying during our Wednesday night prayer meetings. Why do we focus on this so much? We do that it's because we want to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We want to stand mature. But the third means towards our mission of presenting everyone in Christ, mature in Christ, is the fellowship of grace. That is the companionship and partnership of other believers. We as followers of Jesus Christ mature and grow as we minister to one another and others minister to us. We actually saw this laid out very clearly for us in our scripture reading this morning in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Here in Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about the provisions that God has given the church to be able to, as verse 1 says, walk in a manner worthy of their calling. And in verses 11 through 13, Paul writes this, And he, that is God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So God gave all these leaders to the church, to the body of Christ. Why? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, why do you want to equip them? Because for the building up of the body of Christ. To this result, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in their mission to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ, spiritual leaders are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And that verse is actually teaching something very important. That's why it was read for Scripture this morning. It's teaching us that spiritual growth and maturity among the Bible, among, among the body, that mission of making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ, only happens to the degree that every believer is ga- engaged in one another ministries. We as believers achieve together a common growth, unity, faith, knowledge, and spiritual maturity, Ephesians 4 teaches us, when we are all engaged in the ministry of building each other up. So this is the connection to our mission and our method. If our purpose as a church is to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ, then Ephesians 4, 12-13 teaches us that that mission is accomplished by working towards this goal that I want to remind you of. Every member a minister. Every member a minister. You might sit there and say, that is the most bizarre idea I've ever heard in my life. Churches are famous for having people that only sit in pews. And to which I say, that's right and that's wrong. Right? You are correct in understanding that. But that must not be how Grace Chapel operates. Every believer, if they're to be exalting Jesus Christ above all, is to be engaged in one another ministry for the glory of God. If you and I want to grow and become more like Jesus, then I need to be investing myself in the lives of other people, and other believers need to be investing themselves into me. This is how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, so it is with Christ. Every part of the body is indispensable. God has so composed the body that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. That's powerful when you think about it. What Paul is saying is that every member, every person who's a part of our fellowship is indispensable. Why? Because God has designed our church to function with every member engaged in caring for one another. God has designed our church to be a place where every member is a minister. That's why you're here this morning. You might not have realized it, but you're here this morning because God fully intends for some believer to invest their life into you today. And he's also intending you to invest your life into someone else. And this is not a radical way, by the way, to look at the Christian life. This is the Christian life. Paul makes this very clear over in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 6. See, in Romans chapter 12, if you turn there this morning, Romans chapter 12, Paul had just laid out 11 whole chapters regarding everything that God had done for them in Christ Jesus. And it is a glorious passage to study. Just wave after wave of breathtaking mercy showered upon undeserving sinners like you and me, chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, and then after 11 whole chapters of glorious gospel exposition of everything we have in Christ Jesus. Paul comes to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and he says these famous words that we all know and probably many of you have memorized, verses 1 through 2, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, God is saying here, particularly in verse 1, that God has shown His glory by giving everything to you in Christ Jesus, and you are now to show His worth by giving everything to Him in service. Give your soul, your strength, your mind, and your will to Him. Offer up your life as a living sacrifice to God. Now those are thrilling words for those of us who are in Christ. Our hearts leap at hearing them. We sit there and say, yes. Almost like Samuel, here I am, Lord. Isaiah, send me. I want to give my life as a living sacrifice to you for what you've done for me in Christ. But how? I remember that's a question I used to ask myself all the time, particularly when I was in junior high and high school and you start having those, you know, crisis moments. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Where do you want me to sacrifice my life for you in light of what you've done for me in Jesus? What do I do? Where do I turn? Where do you want me to serve you, God, and give my life to you? What's interesting is that's not a hidden will of God for you. He reveals exactly where you're supposed to do that in the very next verses, in verses 3-6, through by basically saying, give your life to Jesus Christ by giving your life to Christ's body, the church. Verses 3-6. through The local church is the answer. This is where you are to offer up your life as a living sacrifice to God. Paul says this in verse 3. He says, for the 
By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now the measure of faith that God has assigned here probably refers to the spiritual gift that God assigns to every believer the moment they trust in Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 states, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So in these verses, Paul is basically saying two things. He says, first, don't think too highly of yourself. And that can be a tendency of believers when it comes to their relationship with a local church, can't it? They can think too highly of themselves. You can think, I don't need the church. I can John Wayne this Christian life, right? I don't need other believers to know what I'm dealing with in my heart and in my soul. I can just kind of keep aloof and live for Christ myself in my own way. But that is not true. Do not think too highly of yourself. You need the church. You need the ministry of other believers in your life and in your walk with God. You cannot live the Christian life alone. Do not think too highly of yourself. But also, don't think too lowly of yourself. Paul says, think with what type of judgment? Sober judgment. Clear-headed judgment, right? In other words, God has given you exact gifts and abilities that were custom designed for you to build up the local body of Christ for the glory of God. He created you just the way you are because only you can glorify God the way that you can glorify God. He's given you a unique personality, unique gifts, unique traits so that you can uniquely give Him glory in the church. So don't think too lowly of yourself. Don't think that in light of other members of this church, you don't have anything else to contribute because no one's like you. God made you special just the way you are. So, think with sober judgment. You, just like other, every other believer, have your own special but limited spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. And God has designed this church in such a way so that you in some way, play a necessary part in it. Because look at verses 4-5. through This is where Paul says this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So think about what Paul's argument is there. Because every individual part of our body plays an important function in our overall body, none of us would ever want to lose a body part, would we? Or to have a body part just hanging there useless. No matter how small it might be. When I was thinking of an illustration of this point, those of you who have helped us move know that we are in possession of some pretty hefty pieces of furniture. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. (laughs) Well, one time, Chara told me to move one of these pieces of furniture by myself. And in the process, I dropped it right on one of my own toenails. Though it was extremely painful in the moment, I didn't think anything of it until several days later when, upon pulling my sock off one day, my toenail went with it. Yeah, I know. I freaked out. And I called my dad, who was a nurse, and I wanted to know if it would grow back. It was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. (laughs) Why? Because even though you don't give much thought to it in the moment, right? I had 
rather attached to my toenail. I'd rather live with my toenail than without my toenail. I'd rather live with all my members than to have to live without any one of them. I love my toenail. <laughs> Praise the Lord, my toenail grew back, if you're wondering. So, but why would I want to live with all my members rather than have to live without any one of them? It's because I realize that each and every member of my body, even the smallest or seemingly most insignificant, has a very important part to play. There is no, no part is dispensable. Every part is indispensable. So it is with the body of Christ. That's what Paul is saying. We, though many, there's many of us, it's true. We, though many, though, are yet one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Just as every member, even a toenail, has a vital role to play in the physical body, so you and I have a vital role to play in the spiritual body of Christ as well. Therefore, beginning of verse 6, Paul says this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us, let us what? Use them. Use them. Every member a minister. This is how you grow and become more like Jesus. You say, I feel like my spiritual life is kind of plateaued. One question for you, for today's application. What are you doing in the local body of the church? Are you getting to know other people? Are other people getting to know you? Are you standing side by side for the faith of the gospel here in this place? This is how you grow and become more like Jesus. And this is how we glorify God, by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. It is by every one of us becoming ministering members of the body of Christ here in this place. It's by taking the gifts that God has given you, grabbing hold of that by faith, and using them. This is how you give your life as a living sacrifice to God. It's by giving yourself in loving service to the body of Christ. And when the whole body of Christ responds in this way individually, the whole body grows and matures collectively. That's what Paul teaches. And so this is why our ambition here at Grace Chapel is to see every member become a minister. It's because our mission as a church is to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. And that can only be achieved by working towards the goal of every member being a minister. We've all got a vital part to play. None of us are dispensable to the body of Christ or the mission of glorifying Christ here in this place. And so we, as your leaders, want to continually do all we can to help you find your place of worship and service here that God has already created for you. There is a place where God wants you to serve here, and we want to help you find that. And so today is one of the ways in which we mean to help you do that, and that is the application of this message. It's on the other side of these doors. This is our means, and we're deliberately going to end this service early because right now, through these side doors into Grace Hall, we've set up a church-wide ministry fair designed to encourage all of us to put feet to the truth and find at least one or more ways in our faith family that you can serve and participate on a regular basis. And so I'm going to remind you all of how this is going to work. In a few moments, I'm going to say a closing prayer. And you all are going to be dismissed for the rest of the service time through these side doors into Grace Hall. And it's an awesome setup if you didn't get a chance to look at it yet. Uh, In the center of the room, we have some finger food and snacks set up for you to enjoy. And so grab yourself a plate and explore the rest of the room. In the hall, you'll see as you're first entering a table with a basket on it with some forms next to it. And those are the directory update forms. 
And so if you're not in our church directory yet, or if you are, or you suspect that you may need to have an email or a phone number updated, uh, fill one of those out, drop it off in the basket, we'll get that information updated for you in that basket. The second thing that you will see as you explore the room is various booths set up all around the outskirts of Grace Hall. Each one of these booths represent one of the major ministry opportunities you can learn about and that believers involve themselves here in our church. These booths will be hosted by a few representatives from each ministry who can tell you more about that ministry and answer any questions you might have. And though each booth will be slightly different from the others with signage and decorations and resources, there will be a sign-up sheet you can put your name down on for whatever ministries you might be interested in serving in. So if you're interested in exploring and participating in a certain ministry, what you can do is you can put your name down on the sheet so we can know that you have an interest in serving there. And just have a good time. That would be the final instruction I'd give you. I encourage you to walk around, ask a lot of questions, familiarize yourself with the ministries of this church that you might not know. Enjoy the fellowship, and most importantly of all, prayerfully consider what area of ministry God might be calling you to serve in for this coming year for His glory. So that every member here in this place might be a minister towards making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. With that in mind, if there's any other ministry volunteers that haven't been dismissed yet, um, you can take your places during this closing prayer, and, uh, and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to put feet to the truth today. Father, we thank you for how this church is a living organism, and how We build each other up for the glory of Christ as we get to know each other and serve alongside of each other. Father, we thank you that you have given us special gifts that are unique to us, special personalities by which we can build into each other's lives for your honor and for your glory. And we know that ever since the creation of the world, you have set up these good works that you have prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we know that those works are found here in the church. Help us to prayerfully consider each one of these ministry opportunities and engage in them for your honor and for your glory here in this place so that we might accomplish our mission as a church of making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ for your honor and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.